0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Wellpreneur podcast. You know, over the past few years that I've been running the podcast, there's been a couple of times where I'll invite a guest back on for a second interview and i think these are always really interesting because you know the interview will capture where we are at that certain point in time and when we have a guest on twice then you get to see what's happened with their business and see how their plans have worked out and what they've created and how it's evolved and i think it's a really great learning opportunity so this week i am very excited to have lauren arms the founder of well to do global on the podcast Lauren joined us the first time on the podcast way back in episode 72, when her business was really focused around the local London market and serving the wellness business community here. Well, since then, so much has changed. Her well-to-do business has expanded global. She's got in-person events in different locations around the world. She's still running these events here in London. She's got a consultancy and she does coaching and she works with different brands and businesses and has partnerships. And it's really amazing what she's created. So I think you'll really enjoy getting this updated glimpse into her business journey, but also getting Lauren's take on what's working in the wellness industry today. And don't forget that if you'd like to talk about this week's podcast episode, ask some questions about your business, or just connect with other motivated wellness entrepreneurs, you can do that in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook. You just search Wellpreneur community, answer a couple questions just so we can check out that you're a real person and you'll be able to come into the group and hang out with us there. Also, you want to make sure you're on my email list to get my about weekly updates, weekly or every other week which include a roundup of that week's podcast, the best discussions from the Facebook group and selected articles that I found that are really relevant to the wellness industry that I found just around the web. So you can sign up for that at wellpreneuronline.com. So now let's jump into this interview with Lauren Arms from well to do Global. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me back. So it's been a couple years, actually, and I'm thrilled to have you back on the podcast because your business, well to do has just grown by leaps and bounds and expanded internationally and all sorts of exciting stuff. So I really wanted to have you on to talk about wellness, which also has expanded in leaps and bounds, and what you're up to. So could you start off by just
1: telling everybody what it is that you
0: do? What to Well2Do?
1: Well, it's definitely evolved over time, but in a nutshell, we help businesses to understand what the future of the wellness industry looks like. And we do that through our event series, a consultancy service, and more recently, a recruitment business as well. So on the flip side of that, we also help people who want to transition their career into wellness to find a job in the wellness industry. So it's sort of this multi-pronged approach of helping people to either build a business or build a career in the wellness industry, covering everything from food and drink to fitness, nutrition, technology, beauty, travel, anything really that um, wellness touches as an industry today.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So let's talk a little bit about how it's changed, because especially
0: here in the U.K., It's changed dramatically over the past few years. I remember last time we talked, I felt like wellness was just a little budding industry here and it felt like everything was happening in Australia and the U.S. And that's completely changed. So what's your take on that, how it's
1: evolved? Yeah, I mean you're right. When I first started uh well to do it was it, it was something that you really had to explain to to anybody that you spoke to about, you know, what wellness is, defining what it is. And I think more recently it has become a more mainstream topic of conversation, and I think that's largely due to just the proliferation of information about wellness. So, you know, the fact that you can read so much about personal lifestyle, wellness choices, be empowered just through the sheer volume of information available on the internet about being empowered and making better choices for yourself and for for your health. I think individuals are much more proactive when it comes to their health and the prevention of, you know, common lifestyle diseases. And with that, there has been an influx of businesses that are born out of that concept of wellness who want to play a part in shaping the way people think about it. So over the last five years in the UK, it's gone from a fairly niche industry sector to now being one of the fastest growing industry sectors, both in the UK and globally. Absolutely. So I'm curious what you're seeing in terms of like trends and what's really working these days. So technology is playing a huge part in what's shaping the future of wellness. So as individuals, we're measuring more and more of the function of our well-being. So whether that's through a wearable device or whether that's through you know DNA testing or individual health testing that gives us a more personalized approach to well-being. So personalization is really key and that We're seeing impacting supplementation, nutrition and, you know, the future of wellness is that you will make decisions about what you eat and drink and how you work out and how often you practice meditation or mindfulness based on a personal and relevant measurement of your personal well-being. And I think that's really exciting because it won't be guesswork You know, so much of so much of of wellness as it stands is difficult to measure. So, you know, if you're taking a supplement that's supposed to be good for energy, it's quite difficult to kind of measure how much more energy it's given you or how it's kind of impacted your greater well-being. So I think the way the industry is changing is such that we will be able to measure that. And we won't be just wasting hours in the gym working out, or investing in health coaching, or investing in nutrition advice without knowing that there's a measurable outcome for our personal well-being.
0: That's really interesting. The um, just the quanti- i guess it's like quantified self, right? Quantifying all that data about yourself, and like the genetic DNA testing. I've had a DNA test done for ancestry, and was able to get some health—you know—take that data and get some health results. And what I found is it's super powerful, but it's really like overwhelming that kind of information. So I can see that that's a huge area for growth to actually help people be like, okay, I have all this information now, what do I do with it?
1: Yeah, no, it can be very overwhelming and it can kind of have the opposite effect almost in some ways that you become so paranoid about the fact that you're not meditating or that you're not getting the right macro balances in in the food that you're, you're eating such that it sort of has a negative impact on your wellness rather than the Intended outcome, and I think that with more measurability and kind of quantified um, wellness, will hopefully kind of ease some of that pressure that we should be doing things, and rather than kind of should be that we have the choice to, and that we, you know, uh, are making decisions from a more positive mindset and and from, I guess, a more um, credible base as well.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the trends that I've seen that I'd be curious if you're seeing as well is about like wellness travel. It seems like everybody that travels anywhere now wants to have some sort of wellness component, whether it's like taking a tour of like the local food scene or doing yoga classes or getting like all these treatments or having some local experience in traditional healing. Or it seems like people want to include that in their vacations now, too.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's powered by um, greater investment from corporates into corporate wellness. So at work we're thinking more about our well-being and then when we, you know, take a break from work, we're wanting to invest in the continuation of that well-being. So gone are the days of I mean, I say this with a pinch of salt because there is definitely still a markup for going and partying and having, you know, a great time and having a kind of exhausting holiday of all of the things that we we kind of used to do. But as you say, there's a growing market for those individuals who want to continue to invest in their well-being when they're on holiday as well. So whether that's in the form of a retreat, Or, you know, we do a lot of consultancy work for hotel groups who understand that hotel guests now want the benefit of having access to yoga classes or personal trainers or the latest, as you sort of said before, spiritual or healing experiences within a spa facility And it's exciting because it does mean that we're investing in holidays and travel experiences that rejuvenate us rather than exhaust us. And we're coming back to to work or our lives actually feeling refreshed. And we've seen as a result of that just so much opportunity for new business and for entrepreneurs who want to kind of leverage that growth potential of the travel wellness market. And and a lot of innovation as well, whether that's in actual wellness holiday experiences or as a bonus subset of that. I've got a client who's creating a a supplement to help alleviate um, jet lag. And, you know, that is targeted at the wellness traveler. So it's because of this rise in, in awareness of how travel impacts our bodies and just making better choices about how we travel that there's a whole new category of products and services that are being born out of that. And it's really It's really exciting for the entrepreneurial community as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking for everyone listening out there, I mean, what we're talking about, there's so many opportunities popping up. And so not only like, oh, targeting those hotels and people like travel things in your local area for people who are traveling there. But also, I know so many people listening actually want to travel more. And so that ability to run retreats and to know that, that these types of travel experiences are really growing is a huge opportunity. Um, I want to talk a little bit about corporate well-being, too, because that's another really hot area within our community. So from what you've seen in your consultation work, what are the big drivers that are really getting corporates to actually be serious about taking
1: on wellness programs? Well, I guess the most interesting client for us is the wellness brand that wants to also invest in its employees and they really set a benchmark. So you've got companies who have on the outset a marketing or brand positioning that says, you know, we want to support the wellness of the consumer. And as such, they really need to show that they're kind of practicing what they preach internally as well. So we work with a lot of brands that are wellness businesses in themselves and therefore sort of see pressure to sort of match their outward appearance or their outward messaging by also investing internally well and i think that it's been led by a series of bigger companies you know if you want to to look at ex- prime examples it would be kind of the googles and deliveroos of the world that are taking top talent and saying we're going to invest back in- into our staff as well and you know it's no secret that businesses like google um offer really comprehensive wellness packages that support the individuals to be more productive or to live up to you know a greater level of human potential and that might be through running internal uh, wellness programs or just providing access for their staff to gyms train- trainers or even sort of life coach or executive coaching from a kind of mind and body perspective and so for every other employer that's competing for that top talent they need to be in a position to say we're going to invest in our people as well. And I think it comes with the trend too that work and life are so interlinked nowadays. We sort of go to work and, and we don't kind of leave our personal lives necessarily at home in, anymore in the same way that we used to sort of compartmentalize our lives. I know from my own team, from my employees, you know, I'm really interested to know how they're doing, how they're feeling about their job, how fulfilled they're feeling. And if they've got things going on at home, I understand that that's going to impact their productivity in the workplace. And so you can't kind of disconnect those two things or or separate them in the same way that you used to. And as a result, you want your employees to feel good, you know, both at home and work. And a big part of that is investing in their well-being. So we have access to a gym part of our office space. The um, employees on my team kind of get access to personal development coaching and support for projects that they're working on outside of their everyday work capacity or remit. And, you know, we go and, and work out and try new wellness offerings as a team. And I think it's about investing back into your people and giving them a stronger indication that they're part of your bigger goal and vision and not just a number on the employee roster
0: hmm I'm curious to shift gears a little bit and talk about your business because it's evolved so much. And I think you've just recently started to run events in Asia also. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So uh, really exciting. We We've run two events now in Singapore. And I think secret that Asia is a is a booming market for wellness. It's it's a little bit ironic, I suppose, in some ways because so much of traditional wellness was really born out of Asian culture and that kind of Eastern philosophy. And I think, you know, in the West, we kind of packaged it up and marketed it as sort of like soul cycle or meditation or yoga or something cool and trendy and brand led. And now we're sort of seeing that come full circle back into the Asian market, whether it's in the form of Lili Lemon Open in in Asia or kind of that travel wellness retreat market really accelerating there as well. So we sort of saw Asia being our main market focus as Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia as being a really exciting community of entrepreneurs trying to sort of build in some of these more modern approaches to well-being, whether that's healthy cafes or boxing studios or yoga yoga chains in those Asian markets. And we wanted to sort of play a role in bringing that industry or business community together and really having a conversation about what the future of the industry looks like there with, a, with an appropriate cultural perspective as well.
0: Well, first of all, that's awesome because as you know, I was in Hong Kong. Everyone listening will know this, but I was in Hong Kong and the wellness scene there is just booming. So that was it's yeah. really cool. It really makes sense that you guys are there. So I think when we talked last time, You, and it was back when you were like just getting started a few years ago, you were focused on, I think you were going to have like, well-to-do was going to be more of like a media site. And then you had events that you were running also. And now obviously it's, you've expanded, you have the consultancy, you've got the recruitment and, you know, all those different angles. So I'm curious, if you look at your journey as a business, how much of that was planned in advance and how much of that just kind of was... I don't know, just presented itself. How did, how did you know where to grow? I guess was my question.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting question. And in answer to your first question, how planned was it? You know, not planned at all. I didn't have a clear business plan that reflected where we are right now at the beginning. So I think there are two main things that have guided the development of the business. One is just responding to the market. So we were really lucky in that we were content led initially. And so we naturally grew a really strong audience base. You know, our website now receives 100,000 plus hits a month. And they're all people who are naturally interested in gravitating towards the business of wellness or looking to kickstart a career in that industry as a business owner or just simply as a professional working in that space. And with events as a natural extension of that, we created this conversation and were constantly being fed back insights into what these businesses or what these individuals needed. And as a result, we branched out into consulting to consult- solve some of the pain points that these businesses were experiencing. Or as a natural extension, I started working one-on-one with entrepreneurs in the space in a, in a business coaching capacity and still do now. As a natural extension, we launched our recruitment platform to create a jobs marketplace to show both people who are looking for jobs that there are lots of opportunities, but also to support clients, i.e. the brands who were coming to us saying, we need passionate people who understand our brand and, and as we grow our teams, can you support us to find those people? So it was, um, you know, first and foremost, a response to market demand. And then secondly, I suppose, and more personally for me, it was just an evolution of my own personal development journey as an entrepreneur. So, you know, you start out with this little vision thinking, if I could achieve this, then that would be amazing. And then you've achieved it and you realize that you really need to stretch yourself to a, a whole new set of goals. And I started to invest in myself with business coaching and, you know, going to entrepreneurial events and summits and Just being challenged to look outside of what I had achieved and kind of stretch the potential of where well-to-do could go. At the beginning, I didn't see it necessarily as becoming an international business, but two years in, you sort of think, well, what's going to be my next big hurdle or challenge or... Focus to keep me motivated and excited about where this business is going. And so the all of those additions that I've talked about have been a way for me personally to challenge what I think is possible for the business and to just keep um, overcoming any of those sort of limiting beliefs that we all experience as entrepreneurs that say, you know, that little voice in your head that says, this isn't possible for you or you don't have the experience or the skills or the know-how to create this. And it's so exciting to go on that personal development journey of overcoming those limiting beliefs and and coming out of the other side with a new kind of belief structure, a new story that says, actually, I can do those things and I can learn how to build an international business or scale the business or build a team. And so it's been kind of a balance of those two things of responding to what our clients tell us they want and also being challenged as an individual and as an entrepreneur to expand the vision and achieve things that perhaps in the early days I wouldn't have even imagined were possible for me. So if you could go back and give yourself a bit of advice, you know, when you were just getting started, what would you tell yourself? A couple of things. One would be that I don't have to do it on my own. So initially, I I hadn't really imagined that it would be possible for me to have a team. And now there are six, about to be seven of us. And I think initially, you don't really imagine that you're going to build a business that can even support you, let alone, you know, six other employees. And yet, I think once I adjusted my belief system to, to like just explore the possibility that that might be part of the future of the business, it sort of started to fall into place. And I guess I, you know, it's sort of like they say, your thoughts become your actions, which become your reality. And I think challenging those thoughts of what were possible initially was a big part of it. And so in order to really do that, it was investing in myself personally, that personal development and professional development angle to entrepreneurship. And I spent really good investment, invested money on business coaching and just developing and challenging myself in ways that initially I didn't realize were going to be so important. They sort of felt like extracurricular activities, nice to have. And actually, you realize quite quickly when you look back that those personal development investments that you make, whether it's journaling or listening to podcasts or reading books or actually having business coaching is what shapes your business long term more than having a great business plan or, you know, having a great product or audience. I think it's just believing in yourself and believing that uh, what you want to create is really possible for you. I want to talk a little bit about
0: wellness as a career because I know that you work with in your business personally, you do coaching for entrepreneurs, you've got programs, and obviously you see tons of wellness entrepreneurs come through your events and conferences. So I'd like to talk to them for a little bit and start to share some advice for, you know, starting a wellness business today. And I'd like to start with this common fear I hear from people is that it's too saturated. Yes, it's a growing market, but there's so many health coaches. There's so many yoga teachers. Like how how am I ever going to be different? So how do you look at that situation?
1: I think there are two angles to it. One is that the reason that it feels so saturated for you, if you're listening to this and feeling like that resonates with you, is probably because if you jump on your Instagram right now and you start scrolling, everybody is doing something in wellness. You know, like when you want to be a personal trainer and build a successful business in in personal training, it suddenly feels like everybody else is doing that as well, or everybody else has already done what you want to do. And I think it's important to take a step back from that and re- and recognize and really practically look at the strength of social media and how aggregated it is and how content is positioned to be feeding us the stuff that we want to see. And when you take a, a step back from that, and this is the the flip side to this scenario, and you actually – and I often ask this question of audiences when I'm speaking to them or addressing this exact fear – I just simply ask them to think about their immediate family or their extended family and think about how many people in just that group alone don't understand or don't actually invest in personal wellness. And when you think about just your immediate family or your extended family or, you know, the 10 people closest to you around you, I bet every single one of us could think of at least two to three people that don't currently invest in wellness or don't necessarily understand and suddenly we're talking about in in the collective mass sort of view of that how many millions or even get wellness or don't understand what wellness is or how they could be this for their health so we take a step back from our little isolated bubble view of wellness and the people that we know who are already invested in and know know about it or think about it and we realize that there's this huge audience of people who don't have access to that information or that expertise or that skill set that you're cultivating. And that because of that, it's so important to remember that you have a really special and valuable message that millions of people. um, And that the truth is that wellness is still a niche in many ways. You know, there are still lots of people who don't, especially outside of urban bubbles, you know, especially in the UK, if you look at kind of regional UK or regional America, or regional Australia, you know, there are lots and lots of people that isn't reaching yet. And I think that's who you need to focus on, you know, focus on reaching the people who don't necessarily get the benefit of it right now. And remember that, you know, in that sense, it really isn't that saturated, there really is a long way to go. And there really is a huge impact that you can have when stuck in thinking that everybody else is already doing what you want to do Mm
0: -hmm. it is so true that our own social media feeds become little bubbles like not everybody else in the world has pictures of everyone ate for breakfast and yoga poses in their Instagram like I swear (laughs) so that's awesome yeah it's so it's true (laughs) what would you so if someone is just starting out let's say well any kind. let's talk about like a service-based practitioner maybe like a coach or somebody that's doing some sort of like therapy or like a like a solopreneur. So if you encountered like a solopreneur in wellness that was just getting started now, what kind of advice would you give them about how to get going?
1: So I would, I would look first at who your ideal client is and really get clear and defined on who that client is that wants what you have to offer and will also pay for it. And those two things are, are equally important because you might have an audience of people that really want what you have or want the expertise that you have, but actually can't afford to pay what you should be charging. And so having alignment in who that audience is that want what you have and will pay for it is important and getting clear on really clearly defining who that person is and their profile. What I find quite a common thread is that with that kind of solopreneur who has a wellness proposition, it's common that you are your best target audience. So that typically means that you at some point, whether it's two, five, ten years, ago were the exact target client that had a problem that you're now able to fix through the experience or expertise that you have in that area of wellness. And so tapping into your own personal profile is a really easy way of getting to know and getting really clear on what that person also does in other areas of their life. And that Allows you to create really meaningful content. It allows you to be kind of vulnerable in sharing your own personal story and knowing that that will resonate with the person that, you know, is where you were five, 10 years ago is what builds a really strong relationship and foundation for your brand to connect to that audience and ultimately resonate to the point that they buy what it is that you're offering. So now that you're kind of clear on who your audience is, I would suggest getting really clear on your brand and getting the foundations in place so that your website, your personal brand, your social media all resonate with that ideal client in such a way that they understand what you're selling, why you're selling it and how you're selling it to them. And then I think the third really important piece is that you're actually ready to sell what you use. We'll say, well, I'm a health coach or I'm a yoga teacher. And Okay so what do you sell and there's no clear package or price point or you know really clear position that they could say this is what I do this is how you buy it and this is how much it costs so it's getting really super crystal clear on that proposition so clear that you know you could pitch it in your pitch in 10 seconds you could you know execute on that elevator pitch as people talk about that kind of 20 second opportunity that you sometimes have with somebody to tell them what you do and how they can buy that from you And I think once you're clear on your audience, once you're clear on your brand, and once you're clear on your sales proposition, there's no excuse for why you can't be getting some of that initial traction and getting that early group of clients that's going to build the momentum in your business and ultimately drive it and sustain it going forward. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have any
1: books or other resources that you really recommend for Wellpreneurs? Lots and lots of books. So a few of my favorites. One is The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, and it talks about how success is really just the accumulation of lots of little tiny steps and disciplines that we take every single day. I think that helps to shed some of the overwhelm and feel of how am I going to get to that big picture goal that I have and realizing that it's the accumulation of all of the little things that you do each day. So The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Second one would be Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I love it because it really hones in on how fear can get in the way of us just being creative and just creating the thing that we want to create with our businesses. But also, I guess, recognizing that fear is always going to be there. It's not something that we can necessarily get rid of. It's about recognizing that, it, you know, when you do feel that fear is when so often it's an indication that you're moving in the right direction. And to kind of, as the old adage goes, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. As far as kind of business ebooks, books, I love The Lean Startup. I think um, Work Week is a great book to read um, to get a sense of how to build those residual income streams and be more effective in, you know, ultimately the, the dream for, for many of us kind of to work less and to make more money. And then You Are a Badass at Making Money is a great one. The Science of Getting Rich is a great one. There's a ton. And I'm definitely always open to sharing more if that's interesting to anybody listening. Um, getting through your money mindset uh, blocks and limitations on, you know, financial potential for your business is a really powerful way to get clear and to ultimately make an impact and also make money doing what you love. Mm. I think one of the books I heard about through you a couple of years ago was
0: Essentialism. Ah, yeah, and I think you were reading at the time. And there was one part of that book that really stuck with me, where it's like your energy in this circle and like. If you do a hundred different things, all your energy is going in all these different directions. But if you focus in one area, your energy goes—it's like super far in one one direction. Sounds really obvious, but the diagram was really powerful. So, yeah, Lauren's awesome. all about the book recommendations. I've got—I've been scribbling <laughs> down like a huge list here, so we can put them in the show notes. So we'll have them all linked up if people missed one. Right. Awesome. So we're getting to the end of our time together. So can you let people know where they can get in touch with you, where they can find out more? And I know you've got a course coming up that people might be interested in too.
1: We do. So as I said before, well-to-do is all about helping people build either incredible businesses or careers in the wellness industry. So on the business side, if you're listening and you know you're looking for additional support with refining your ideas and uh, really taking your business to the next level, then I would always love to hear from you. You can email me at Lauren at welltodoglobal.com. Or, um, you know, I'd suggest signing up to our newsletter at welltodoglobal.com for insights into, you know, future trends, insights in the wellness industry. And if you're listening and you're excited about the wellness industry and you're looking to either kickstart a career or find your next exciting opportunity, we have an upcoming launch of our work in wellness course. And it's an eight week online course designed to help you find a fulfilling job in the wellness industry. And all of the info about that can be found at welltodoglobal.com as well. And yeah, I mean, social media, I'm Lauren Arms, A-R-M-E-S. I always love hearing about new ideas, innovative ideas, or even just your unique approach to whether it's teaching yoga or some other wellness proposition that you're excited and passionate about as an individual. Yeah, I'm always really excited to hear about how people are developing those ideas and the challenges that they have along the way as well. Yeah.
0: And if people are in
1: London or Singapore, they should totally check
0: out one of your events because they're awesome. And they always have really fun goodie bags too, which I love. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> we do. We do. We always manage to have them chalk. That's awesome. Cool. Those edible things.
0: Yeah. So many good things to eat and drink and taste. And it's really great. Anyway, Lauren, I'm so glad you could come back on the show. And I'm sure you're going to hear from a lot of people because it's a really booming industry and everyone here is trying to claim their stake in it. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Amanda. And I think that everything that you do is amazing and bringing this community together and just supporting entrepreneurship in the wellness industry. It's exciting and, and it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur in this space.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. If you'd like to hear my first interview with Lauren, then you can go back to episode 72, which you can find on the website at wellpreneuronline.com, or you can just Google it and you'll find that episode. Don't forget to come hang out with us in our Facebook group, the Wellpreneur community, and to make sure you're on the email newsletter list, which you can sign up for at wellpreneuronline.com. I definitely am not into spam, but I'll just send you a weekly-ish email with the roundup of the best conversations and the current podcast and any articles that I think are totally must-reads for the wellness industry. Have a fantastic week, and I will see you back here in the next episode.